We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm frightened of Michael Crabtree. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which means you just wait and wait and wait and take Willie Sneed. <laughs> yes, this is the correct. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm trying to get people more excited about Jordan Lasley or something. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 19th, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. Brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair, and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? It's going fantastic, Blair. Uh, hot night, but that summer, love it. All right, yeah. Finally, getting some uh, real summer. I guess it's not even technically summer yet, but yeah, the the weather here in uh, Maryland is getting to be. Uh, you know, we got some heat coming through, so. Nice to, uh, you know, get the kids in the pool and yeah, fun. Summer's coming. And, uh, you know, joining us on the show today is Ryan Bobbitt. Ryan is a contributor at Rotoviz and at Numberfire. He also co-manages Rotoviz's social media presence. You can find him on Twitter at Drummer in a Box. Ryan, thanks for joining us. How's everything? Thanks for having me, guys. Things are going well. It's uh, in Virginia. It is uh, the same as Maryland. Hot, hot, hot. But... uh, yeah, it's good to be on and be talking football. Definitely. 
Uh, yeah, well, let's get right into it. Um, you know, last week we had some some fun with the fact that Andrew Luck was throwing a high school football, but Monday morning quarterback's Albert Breer reports that Luck actually says that the pain in his surgically repaired shoulder is gone. Uh, Luck also appears to be more confident about his health than he was this time last year. So, Ryan, how confident are you that Luck will start the season? And how do you foresee the targets being shared in the Colts' offense? He's going to start after this dog and pony show for the last 18 months or more. Um, He's going to start, but if you read any of Dr. Budoff's work, um, he was on this pretty early with Luck. Um, One of the big things is going to be how confident he actually is once he starts throwing and starts throwing in live contact. Um, How effective he will be is is going to come down to that confidence and the scheme that uh, Frank Reich is going to run. Um, So how effective he will be, who knows, after all this time. Um, So for targets... The only known is going to be Hilton. So I used the road of his screener and went back to 2012 with Hilton. His lowest target market share with luck was 15%, which was his uh, rookie season. So from 2013 through 2016, he was between 20 and 27% target market share. Of course, they added uh, Eric Ebron. They've added... Naheem Hines, um, they've added Doris Fountain, Deion Kane. There's more weapons and a new offense. So lots of unknown on the offense. Um, Hilton, I think, is the only one that you potentially can trust, but I don't know how long it's going to take for uh, for Luck to get the deep ball dialed up. Well, I'm definitely glad to hear that uh, you're confident Luck will start. I've been kind of operating under the assumption that he's, you know, <laughs> kind of, uh, I'll believe it when I see it sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I am definitely looking forward to seeing Luck back. One of the players I own the most of this season is Naheem Hines. And uh, I think having Luck throwing will make a big difference in terms of whether he's actually able to return some value. Uh, Brissett didn't target the running backs that much last season, and Luck has a history of throwing to running backs quite a bit. So, um, you know, I mean, I think everybody wants to see Luck back, but yeah, uh, like you said, it's a question of how effective he'll be and um, really how, uh, well, I don't know, how much we can believe these reports, to be honest. Right. Yeah, the interesting thing is, we had Sean on in our uh, inaugural show, and he mentioned that he's a fan of uh, Chester Rogers. Uh, Rogers has been held out of minicamp uh, with health concerns, and the guy who I've got to somehow ended up with a sneaky amount of is uh, Ryan Grant, particularly in deeper dynasty leagues. What are your thoughts on on Grant? I wrote up Grant as a sort of a arbitrage play on Doxon last year as a bio someone you could add that was getting some hype and he's okay if you looked at like generic number three number four receiver in the dictionary he's probably beside it so I don't think he's anything special he's just going to do you know what's asked of him you know he's the guy that's in the right spot at the right time but as far as any dynamic playmaking uh, I'd say there's there's a lot lacking on that side. 
According to Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle, it remains up in the air whether Dante Foreman will be ready for week one against the Patriots. Uh, Foreman ruptured his Achilles in week 11, derailing his promising rookie season, but he's been upbeat about his recovery. Given the current news surrounding Foreman, where are you drafting Lamar Miller, Ryan? So few things hurt uh, hurt Rotoviz uh, writers and readers as much as that uh, ruptured Achilles for Foreman last season. Um, so touching on Foreman, um, as Dr. Jeff pointed out um, from his follow-up back in February, Foreman's most likely not going to be 100% this year, even if he can fully recover. So if you're a Foreman fan and looking to acquire him, perhaps not do it now in 2018. It may be a 2019 offseason buy. Um, as for Miller, his best ball price is fine. Um, his splits with Watson last season were pretty crazy, but we know who he is at this point. He's not going to be... The 25 touch or more player, um, anywhere from, say, 16 to 21, 22 touches at, at most, seems to be where he's most effective. Um, I like Miller as my RB2 or RB3 uh, on, my, on a team in Dynasty. Um, if you can buy him at a good price, I think that's good. If you need to fill that running back hole. Um, Houston also re-signed Alfred Blue in April, um, so it's like we can't get rid of him. He's likely going to steal a few carries a game, even if uh, Foreman claims he's all the way back. But I can see Blue still getting a few carries a game. Tyler Irvin's probably not going to happen. And behind him is Troy Main Pope, who finished on their practice squad last season. Uh, he was signed to a futures contract but he's more of a receiving and change of pace back. I'm glad you mentioned Tyler Irvin, actually. He's probably, I mean, he's someone who's kind of interesting to me just because, uh, you know, we kind of saw last year they signed Andre Ellington halfway through the season, and he, you know, he had a couple games with for them with, well, I think he had six targets one game, it looks like, and then you know, after that he didn't do too much. But, um, you know, I don't know if they really see Lamar Miller as being a, a workhorse in that way, someone who can handle, you know, play on all three downs all the time if Foreman can't play or if he's not very effective. Um, sure. I don't know. Yeah, is Tyler Irvin, does he interest either of you as someone who, you know, is really essentially free right now? Not in basketball or in best, maybe in deep dynasty basketball leagues where you're rostering 30-plus guys. Uh, I can't see myself pulling the trigger on him unless it's an actual waiver redraft league and if the running back depth chart is clear enough. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, pretty much the same. So coming into the season, um, I thought in a similar manner, Blair, that, okay, they signed Andre Ellington, but perhaps with another year in the system, maybe Irving, they can split him out some more, and maybe he takes a lot of the slot reps, but uh, Kiki QT eviscerated that, didn't he, Hassan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Kiki QT guy. I'm also a big fan of Will Fuller, who I've uh, tried to aggressively target in startups or in trades. And if everything works out with him how I hope it does, then it'll be a good season. And if it doesn't, I'm okay taking that upside risk. 
the two rookies I own everywhere so far are Naheem Hines and Kiki Kuti, so everything's going to be A-OK this week. All right. All right. Well, before we get into No Shit Shit No, I want to take a moment to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium content, and it supports the pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. Do that, and you will be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you're a winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com, and we'll get that set up. Now let's get into no shit shit no. Uh, first item up, Monday morning quarterbacks, Albert Breer writes that Panthers first round wide receiver DJ Moore has, quote, looked the part this offseason. So I'm going to speak on behalf of Rotoviz OG John Moore and say no shit. DJ Moore has the highest phenom index score, so of course he's going to look the part. In an interview with WGR 550 Buffalo, Bill's General Manager Brandon Bean said Zay Jones will have to earn his way following a disappointing rookie season in 2017. Disappointing rookie season. Uh, then he had the off-the-field fiasco with the hotel, plus knee surgery, so he's missing OTAs. So uh, no shit. It doesn't bode well for his future. Um, the biggest part for me is, of course, I just hope the we don't see any more from the off-field side and hope he gets the help that he needs. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times expects second-round running back Ronald Jones to earn 15 to 20 touches per game this season. No shit. So if you have any concerns about Jones in the receiving role, then you need to read Blair's piece on backfield dominators. So Jones actually finished fourth in that metric. Um, So 15 to 20 touches is still going to be a significant role. Uh, I think a day or two before this, they... Uh, Another publication said that he was going to split carries with uh, Peyton Barber and Charles Sims was going to be involved. So I would say between all of the reports, there's probably some truth in all of that, but I'm not really worried about Rojo. That's actually good to hear because I think I've come around on him in the post-NFL draft process. Uh, I didn't really like him because he, you know, his measurables weren't terrific his uh he you know he didn't do particularly well at the combine uh, because he got hurt his production seemed uh, mixed at best but he's young he's productive everything all the work being done here at rotaviz indicates he's a solid guy to go after what are your thoughts player oh yeah i love ronald jones i think uh you know he you obviously can't really count his combine numbers and i even think that at his pro day he probably wasn't 100 percent. he said so himself so i mean you know, former track uh, athlete, his uh, his athleticism, I think, is a lot better than what what he tested out at. So, I mean, his numbers at the combine and his, even his pro day don't really worry me that much. And he's the youngest running back prospect in this class uh, in a situation where he should be able to get a lot of touches. So I definitely, definitely am on board. According to Ben Volen of the Boston Globe, First-round quarterback Baker Mayfield has a long way to go to unseat starter Tyrod Taylor. This is another no shit. Um, I think 
Cleveland Plain Dealer, I think, had a similar report today. So the Browns gave up a third-round pick for Tyrod with the new GM Dorsey. So Tyrod's going to start. Um, the Browns have a buy in Week 11. Does he start beyond that? Who knows? But, yeah, I have a feeling we're not going to see Baker probably to at least the second half of the year. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Mainly because there's a really good piece done by uh, Rich Rebar over on Roto World titled The NFL Draft Impact for Vets, uh, where he notes that the average game started by a first-round quarterback is 11 games, with uh, 20 of those 27 quarterbacks starting more than half their rookie seasons. I think the way Tyrod keeps the, the starter's job is if they come out hot and he's really their best shot at maybe a 500 or better season. But if they falter and they have a you know if they open their the the schedule fairly slowly and they and they start slow i think hugh might be on the on the hot seat and he might be forced to play their first round pick what do you think i mean the browns really kind of painted themselves into a corner with all the talk about how tyrod's the guy i mean you know they can't turn around even if mayfield is great they can't turn around and and uh you know really go back that's just i mean they could of course but they're not going to Bad optics. And Tyrod's, I mean, I'm a big fan. Hopefully he's the kind of guy that gets this uh, receiving core going. It'll be interesting to see who emerges as his preferred target. But Tyrod, Tyrod under center is, a good, is good news for all the pass catchers involved. Cowboys team reporter David Hellman noted that third-round rookie Michael Gallup has shown a good rapport with Dak Prescott. I'm going to say shit no, because how can you build that without actually throwing the football? Since the Cowboys seem to be uh, going to be running Zeke to his tongue's hanging out. Um, so I'm not sure how much uh, chemistry you can actually build uh, in OTAs. The Philadelphia Inquirer expects second round tight end Dallas Goddard to be an immediate red zone threat. Yeah, this is another shit no. Um, so Trey Burton had seven red zone targets all of last year. Ertz had 17. So I know... Goddard is bigger, but how many red zone targets do we actually expect him to get? The Indianapolis star expects rookie Dion Kane to compete for a role in three wide sets. This is a shit no because he has to beat out Darius Fountain first. So uh, if you want to learn more about Fountain, you can check out my article on him. Uh, Kane is 21 and he went to Clemson, but he never broke out. Fountain played at Northern Iowa in the football championship subdivision, but he broke out as a sophomore at age 19. So I'm always going to lean towards the player that broke out. The history for wide receivers who never broke out in the NFL is very, very poor. So are you saying Doris Fountain is like another Northern Iowa prospect who was overlooked? You mean like David Johnson? I didn't explicitly say that, but yes. <laughs> Uh, he's probably more so overlooked than Johnson was because Johnson had his fans when he was coming out. Mostly those of us in the more analytics and metrics uh, community than the film watchers. But uh, he's definitely not to David Johnson's extent as far as the hype. He's gone pretty pretty well under the radar. And you can grab him in the late third, even potentially late fourth of Dynasty Rookie Drafts, whereas Johnson was going sometimes in the second round. Well, I mean, we have talked a little bit about how it is a soft depth chart, so he's probably someone I'll keep in mind. I've got a couple of rookie drafts left. So, The Cincinnati Inquirer's Paul Dennard 
singled out seventh round wide receiver Auden Tate as one of the most impressive players at Bengals OTAs and minicamp. When you're 6'5", 230, you're going to look good in shorts. So uh, the, I don't really have anything beyond that. He ran 4'6", 8 for his size. His production wasn't wasn't that bad, but there's just there's nothing to see here. Following this week's minicamp, Zach Kiefer of the Indianapolis Star believes it's clear the Colts have big designs for rookie Naheem Hines on offense. This should be a no shit, but they also have big designs for Robert Turbin and Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins. So the Indianapolis running back hype is spreading to all of the running backs. But uh, like I said, I own Hines everywhere so far. They should have designs for him, given his all-around skill set. I'm hoping he's sort of Luck's best friend as a nice safety valve, but can also be a downfield threat. Seahawks' coach Pete Carroll claims the team already trusts first-round running back Rashad Benny in pass protection. This is a shit no with as much as they're also talking up Chris Carson right now. Plus, you have Procise and McKissick that can play on third down. So, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News expects sophomore Elijah McGuire to be the Jets' third down back this season. This is... I guess I would lean more towards no shit because McGuire played well last year. He only had six fewer receptions than Bilal Powell. Uh, Powell can also be cut and save the Jets about $4 million in cap space. On the downside, the running back coach also comped him to LaDainian Tomlinson. So take that part with a grain of salt. But I do believe McGuire can have that third down row with, uh, with Crowell taking the early down work. ESPN 49ers reporter Nick Wagoner singled out Kendrick Bourne as a surprise of Niner of the Niners' minicamp, suggesting he could potentially push for an expanded role. Yeah, seeing a lot of this too, and I have him stashed in a few places, but this has got to be a shit no. Uh, He was Cooper Cup's running mate at Eastern Washington, but outside of Bourne, you have Dante Pettis, Pierre Gasson, Marquise Goodwin, uh, and also Trent Taylor, so divvying up the targets is going to be a little difficult. Um, so Bourne got some run due to injuries last year, but him making much of an impact during the regular season, I, I don't see happening. Cardinals.com's Darren Urban believes it's hard not to see Sam Bradford as the opening day starter. As every year with Sam Bradford, no shit, but the question is always for how, how long will he be the starter before something happens to him. Indie star Stephen Holder writes, Eric Ebron has been among the more impressive Colts during the offseason program. So, no shit, he's impressive given, you know, he's running, he's an excellent athlete, certainly the most athletic of the tight end group, and compared to dad running Jack Doyle, he's going to look amazing. He's also the shiny new toy that they signed in free agency, so um, so I can see um, I can see the love going his way. I just don't know how much of a role he's going to have. Is he going to play strictly like that Trey Burton backup tight end role, or is he going to be involved more <clears throat> as a move tight end? Are you saddling up for him? I mean, are you like uh, considering where would you draft him if you wouldn't redraft, and uh, what would you pay for him in dynasty? I have Doyle in a few spots. I'm I'm not really trying to buy Ebron. Most um, most of the uh, Ebron fan club, um, they already have him. 
So I'm not really looking to acquire him. I think Doyle's probably still going to be the tight end with the most receptions at the end of the year. Although Beckham plans to attend training camp, SNY's Ralph Bacchiano reports the Giants aren't close to an extension with Odell Beckham. Yeah, no shit. Uh, This has been basically the status quo going back to last season. Uh, He said he wants to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league, but next year they can franchise tag him. I believe the hit's going to be uh, 12 or 13 million, so there's really no incentive for the Giants to to lock him up to a or lock him into a higher contract than that right now. Yeah, I think this entire situation is fairly weird. I think the Giants are going to end up paying him, but Odell seems to be making the kind of comments that indicate that he's wants to remain a Giant. You know, he says he's going to attend training camp. He's not going to really hold out. Uh, there's not going to be any threat of him holding out into the season, and you've got the media kind of creating a story here. Let me tell you about our friends at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Uh, the fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget, whether you like best ball, super flax, or classic managed leagues. Their drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And here's something incredible. Not a single Dynasty league has folded in eight years. New Dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. We've been talking a lot about redraft and Dynasty, so just take some of this knowledge and apply it in your startup drafts or in your redraft uh, redrafts. And don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, item number three. For ESPN Ravens reporter Jameson Hensley, the consensus among players and coaches is that Joe Flacco is, quote, more motivated this offseason following Baltimore's first-round trade-up for Lamar Jackson. Ryan, do you think that Flacco will be able to keep the starting job for the entire season, or... Do you see a scenario where Flacco is benched for Lamar Jackson? And uh, what would it mean for the Ravens' wide receiver core and running game? It worked for Alex Smith last season, didn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he he keeps it, really, unless they the season completely gets away from them pretty early. Um, if the back issues flare up again, I could see them at some point saying, you know, okay, it's time to time to turn over the leaf to the rookie. Um, but again, it probably have to be a situation where they're pretty pretty well out of playoff contention pretty early on. Um, for the wide receiver core and running game, I mean, I don't mind Alex Collins. Uh, it's just not uh, – he's not someone I've been actively trying to acquire – but I don't mind him where he's going currently in startups. And for the wide receiver core, your guess is as good as mine. Um, Crabtree, I think, is possibly a little bit overvalued right now. Um, and John Brown, who came over from Arizona, we just don't know about his health. And they also signed Willie Sneed, who of the three has to be the cheapest. Um, I'm still holding out some hope for for Snead, but uh, it's not a lot. Um, but you know, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for Lamar Jackson time. I'm ready for some excitement. 
Yeah, and what are your thoughts on the rookie wide receivers, particularly Jordan Lasley? Lasley, I like with the age and production. It's just a matter of he seems kind of blocked at the moment. Um, and we just don't know what kind of volume we're going to have in offense right now. He's cheap enough to, to take a dart throw on uh, in rookie drafts so, and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, I guess, kind of an argument to be made that in such an uncertain, you know, wide receiver core where we don't know if Brown is healthy, we don't know if Crabtree is going to be able to make the move to a new team, new system, you know, there's there's an argument to be made for maybe a skilled rookie coming in and actually stealing some work right away. Um, Lasley is intriguing. He does well in the Phenom Index, of course, as you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I mean... At his price in Dynasty Rookie Drafts, I think he's probably a pretty nice pick. Uh, uh, you know, interesting at any rate. I don't know if you, what you can really project for him, but um, he probably has an, maybe an easier path to getting some year one work than uh, he would on some other teams. The last Vegas Review Journal's Michael Galkin reports that the Raiders fear imminent league discipline for Martavis Bryant. Team officials declined to comment regarding the specifics, but is believed to pertain to the NFL substance abuse policy. Ryan, the Raiders traded for Martavis Bryant during the NFL draft. Uh, if Bryant is hit with a substance abuse violation, he could miss out in the 2018 season. Assuming Bryant misses the season, how do you see this Oakland receiving core shaken out? So it's going to be Amari, Jordy, and Bueller. So previously, <laughs> Seth Roberts has been the number three. But he's come under heat so far in OTAs where it seems like he needs to step things up or he might not even make the team. Uh, Ryan Spitzer's getting some buzz for uh, his slot play. So I guess that could be an option, but some of it depends on how much uh, they actually play Amari there. Um, Johnny Holton had a, a few catches last year, made a few splash plays. He's a speed guy. But if we're going deep down the rabbit hole for a Martavis replacement, then this could open up snaps for Marcel Aitman. So he's definitely an older wide receiver, which is uh, you know, not a, a uh, makes him not not a big fan here at Rotoviz. But uh, he was sharing the field with James Washington, Oklahoma State, and that definitely hurt his own market share. But he actually pretty scores pretty well in Kevin Cole's regression tree uh, due to his yards per reception and his raw yardage totals. So if you're taking a late, late flyer or if you have very deep benches uh, and uh, early season um, waivers, I think you could you can take a, a shot there with eight men and see what happens. You mentioned Jordy. Do you mind talking to us a little bit about now how you see his role changing if Martavis is suspended? I think Jordy's going to have to be, we assume if Martavis is suspended, then Jordy's going to handle sort of the brunt of the outside work. Um, I think athletically he still has it. Um, if you look at uh, Josh Hermsmeyer's um, max speed charts from – uh, NFL.com. Um, so Jordy actually had a uh, positive score for the last two years for speed uh, for his uh, FUPA 
compared to the other Green Bay wide receivers, he was the only one that had that. Both Adams and Cobb have been in the negative both years. So athletically, I think he still has it. Perhaps has he lost a little bit due to age and the ACL? Sure, but I think he, he can still get open, though he's probably better served now as more of an intermediate threat than a true downfield threat. I think the guy I'm probably looking at, if uh, if Bryant, you know, can't play in 2018, I mean, the latest report is that he's on the roster bubble, but it's Seth Roberts. Uh, just he's the he's the guy who kind of seems to always hang around in Oakland. He always does something like he'll score a couple touchdowns. Um, I mean, the reports that you you know you hear about they wanted to trade him before the draft or something, and now he's maybe won't make the roster. There's nothing. Nothing really good coming out, but uh, he's someone who's always, uh, you know, can't get rid of him. And I think if, you know, if Bryant can't play, Jordy is stepping into a new situation, which is never really a good thing for wide receivers. Um, I don't know, maybe Roberts is interesting. What do you guys think? Neither of you guys are in on Jared Cook. Oh, yeah, Jared Cook. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Cook is definitely undervalued, especially in Dynasty Leagues, where you can grab him as like your second or third tight end way, way late. But I don't know how much of an uptake it, the Martavis suspension gives him. But Yeah, I think I'm kind of in on Jared Cook, if only because uh, the tight end position's kind of in flux. Uh, you know, you've got your top few, and then after that, uh, I'm kind of just hunting for guys who are going to see targets. I think Cook might be the bigger beneficiary if Mark Davis were to miss time. And even if he doesn't, I think Cook still has what it takes to at least pay back what he is right now in Dynasty or best ball. That's actually a good call because, I mean, we've been kind of expecting Nelson to step in and sort of absorb all the targets that, or, you know, especially the red zone work that Crabtree left. But, you know, we've seen in the past that changing teams is not, always it doesn't always work out for wide receivers the way we hope i guess they have some trouble adjusting to you know new system or whatever i mean we kind of have no idea what this team is going to be like under gruden but uh if there's anyone who could take a step forward and really get some more red zone work besides amari cooper i guess it might be cook that'll do it for this edition of the fantasy football report special thanks to our guest ryan bobbitt be sure to follow him on twitter at drummer in a box Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at roadofhisradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast.
And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.